It's the Lawn and Garden Show with Walter Reeves on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. It's brought to you by Pike Nurseries, your neighborhood garden center. Playing in the dirt for more than 50 years. Call now with your lawn and garden questions at 404-872-0750 or 1-800-WSB-TALK. And now, here's Walter. Six minutes after the hour, 7.06 on a Saturday morning, 69 degrees outside. This is Lawn and Garden. I'm Walter Reeves, the Georgia Gardener. I'm here to help you be more successful in your landscape. I'm here to answer all your questions as they apply to greenery and outdoor life and weeds and flowers and grass and trees and shrubs and all those things you might have questions about. 404-872-0750 is my number. But as you might know, this past week, we had a huge, huge event here at WSB called the Carathon. Now, my colleague, Ashley Frask, she's here this morning. And Ashley, you are pretty good with math, right? Pretty good with every Saturday morning. Yeah, give or take. She chooses a number between two and seven to determine (laughs) who wins. That's the math I'm good at. Yeah, she wins the prize pack. So she's good with that. So here's a a harder math question. If you took 1.7 and multiply that time a million, what would the answer be? $1.7 million. Does that have a nice ring to you? Uh, Considering every penny goes to pediatric cancer research and support staff at Children's Healthcare, I think so. Uh, Ashley Frasco this year took over the lead for the Children's Healthcare Carathon. And so give us some details. Ashley, you got to work with all the kids. You and I interviewed Haley and her mom this past week. Yeah, so we have a really good relationship, and this is the 19th annual that we've done with Children's Healthcare of Atlanta and the Aflac Cancer and Blood Disorder Center. Great relationship with the folks over at CHOA, and this is by far the biggest fundraiser that they are a part of each year. So it's 36 hours. We broadcast straight, begin at 5 a.m. on Thursday, and it's just really a huge puzzle to get everything (laughs) in place for our broadcast purposes and then providing patients that we can interview and stories that we can share. So, yeah, you and I interviewed 11-year-old Haley. Yeah. We had a couple of other hosts who were able to interview patients here at the WSB studios. And I saw every one of those kids come through and their families. And they were anywhere from age 5 to age 11. And just resilient, brave, yeah. happy kids. And their parents, too. You know, parents, oh, gracious. Yeah, exactly. Courageous would be a word I would use. Courageous parents. And one of the things that every parent said the same during the carathon was, I never thought this would happen to my family. Yeah. You know, and now this is, we're a cancer family now, and this is the new normal for us. But not not a single one of them discounted the support, not only that they got from children's, but from their neighbors and their churches. I mean, the people that come forward when they hear a child's been diagnosed with cancer, you know, I mean, adults, they get attention too, but these kids have everybody rally around them. So our WSB listeners did just the same, and we are so thankful for that. $1.7 million in 36 hours is incredible. That's a lot of money. Thanks to the listeners and folks who support WSB. It was wonderful. And it's not too late to donate. We are going to have the link up um, all weekend long, wsbradio.com. You can still give... And again, Walter, you and I have mentioned every penny. There's no overhead. There's no nothing. All of it goes to research and support staff here in our city. And we met a family from Connecticut. As soon as their daughter, Claire, was diagnosed a couple of years ago, they moved from Connecticut and replanted here in Georgia just because of the relationship and the reputation with children's. Wow. 
something to be proud of, listeners. That is something really to be proud of here in Atlanta that we have WSB to support and CHOA to do the actual hard work of keeping these kids as healthy as we possibly can. It's a great thing to do. 404-872-0750 is my number. That's the number that Diana out in McDonough dialed a few minutes ago. Hi, Diana. Good morning. Hi, good morning, Walter. How are you? I'm well. Thank you, ma'am. What's up, What's up with you? Um, we uh, have an enormous twin white oak. And in the middle where the uh, split is, it has some black ooze coming out of it. Yeah. And when I peel back some of that black bark, it looks like I see little centipedes or mm. uh beetles, okay. and uh, I didn't know if there was something I could do uh, to get that out of there. Maybe. <laughs> I'll tell you what it is, and then we'll decide what to do. The condition itself is called, well, there's a couple of names, slime flux is one name, S-L-I-M-E-F-L-U-X flux, or wet wood, bacterial wet wood on trees. Is basically a bacterial infection underneath the bark. And how it got there, sometimes it's by animal damage, sometimes it's just we can't figure out how it got there. But basically the, the sap underneath the bark starts to ferment. And so as it ferments, sometimes it'll exude a sappy, oozy stuff that smells like uh, alcohol, sometimes it smells like vinegar. And many times you have bugs that are attracted to it, flies and bees and wasps and beetles and all sorts of things attracted to it. And there in the crotch of the tree where you're seeing the ooze coming out, I'm guessing it's just the beetles have gone in there and made themselves at home. So I think the best thing to do, Diana, there's no real cure for this. The best thing to do to help it not hurt the tree is to get a water hose. Just wash it all out real good. Just try to just wash all the ooze and goo and black stuff out, wash the bugs out, and see if the tree doesn't get a little better after that. It doesn't seem to last for all that long, sometimes one or two years, but not 20 years on trees. All right. Um, now, it did happen uh, a, a few years ago, and we had a tree guy come out, and he said for us to cut out that with a chainsaw. No, 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 no. I think it's going to hurt the tree. I think really the best bet is to, to wash it out and see what happens in a couple of years. I bet in a couple of years it'll stop. Dan, I need to go because we have a red alert traffic update. Let's go see what's happening in the traffic center. This is a traffic red alert from the WSB 24-Hour Traffic Center. 713 in the Corey Carrier WSB 24-Hour Traffic Center taking a live look at the WSB jam cam. All lanes are shut down on the downtown connector with this crash. 7585 southbound just past 17th Street, exit number 251. Tough delays building. Use Northside Drive or I-285 as an alternate. Once again, red alert in effect on the downtown connector. 7585 southbound just past 17th Street. All lanes blocked. Use Northside Drive or I-285 as alternates. I'm Mike Schultz, WSB. Wow, thank you, Mike. That's great. Our pleasure to you, of course, is whenever we have traffic updates and weather updates, we will break into news, break into programming just to make sure you know what's going on in Atlanta, and that is something to think about. If you're going south downtown, there's got to be an alternate around that. It's going to be a big hang-up there in downtown Atlanta. Paul is up in Dunwoody and joins us on Lawn and Garden. Hey, Paul, good morning. Good morning. Hi. I was I was wondering about azalea uh, bushes. Yeah. Uh, where do they come from originally, 
and uh, are they raised and, and uh, grown in Georgia for sale, oh, yeah. or do they come from other states, and how far north do they grow? Oh, lots of places. Azaleas originally, Paul, um, back in the, the, the millions of years ago time period, when the great supercontinents broke apart, some azaleas stayed on the what was called the North American supercontinent, and some went with the Asian supercontinent. And so azaleas in Asia developed in one direction based on the environment there, and azaleas in the North American supercontinent developed in another way. And so most of the azaleas on North America are deciduous. They lose their leaves in the wintertime, and the ones that come from Asia are generally evergreen. So where did they come from? They came from either one of those two places. Many of the azaleas we grow ornamentally here in Georgia are Asian-derived azaleas. They were brought over by plant explorers, and they propagated how they worked. They grow real nicely in the southeast, and so most of the azaleas you see here are Asian-derived, and they're grown in big, huge, huge fields in South Georgia and North Georgia, all up and down the coast. There's a lot of people grow azaleas. A lot of people like to have them in their landscapes, so they've got a lot of growers who grow them. What else did you need to know, Paul? Well, uh, how far north do they grow? Do they grow uh, in Ohio or? Uh... Yeah, sure. Yeah, azaleas grow very nicely in Ohio. They're both the native azalea and the Asian azalea, sure. I guess the furthest north they would not grow easily would be as far north as New York City. I think they'll grow as far north as New York. Some will, anyway. Some of the there are what some about... who are not. They're not cold tolerant, so they wouldn't grow very well up there. But the well, uh, is it a is it a good business to be in to to cultivate them and uh, grow them for sale? Is it can you uh, can you support uh, a lot of employees and uh, and grow and market them to other places? Well, as as they say, Paul, you can become a millionaire growing azaleas. You start with ten million dollars, and then after about ten years, you're down to one million dollars. That's how you become a millionaire. Starting high and then losing your shirt. It is hard to get into the business now, Paul, because there are so many huge companies who have efficiency built into their propagation of azaleas. So if you're just a person by yourself who's trying to propagate azaleas, no, you would not make money. Well, um, um, what about uh, scale? Isn't that a problem on some of the plants? You know, insect scale, yeah, of course. There's scale insects that attack azaleas. If you found a way to control scale on azaleas, then, Paul, maybe we'll make some money. But that's where the the real money, I guess, is to be made is in new new cultivars of azalea, and even that takes 10, 15, 20 years to develop sometimes. But also disease and insect control, making an azalea that is more disease and insect resistant, like the knockout rose. You know, the guy who developed the knockout rose he is still making money hand over fist by the knockout rose. It took him 15, I think it was, years to develop. The Encore Azalea took 20 years to develop, and they're making money there on that. But again, it's a long process to eventually make money off azaleas. Well, thank you very much. Have a good weekend. You bet. Thanks for calling, Paul. It's an interesting question. First time I believe I've been ever asked that question before. It's 717 at News Talk WSB. Back to more Lawn and Garden after this. This is Scott Slade, host of Atlanta's Morning News on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. We'll be covering breaking news, Kirk Mellish weather, and traffic red alerts through the weekend. And the Southeast's largest news team is here for you first thing Monday morning when you head back to work. 
News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. Now back to Walter Reeves and the lawn and garden advice you need. Baby's good to me, you know she's happy as can be, you know she said so. And a quick weather update brought to you by Finley Roofing. Today, partly cloudy, pretty nice day. 87 is the high, 69 is the low tonight. Tomorrow, tomorrow we're pretty much the same. Partly cloudy again, high of 88, low of 70 degrees. Your full weekend forecast comes within 10 minutes on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. George in West Atlanta joins us. Hey, George, good morning. Good morning, Walter. First, Walter, I want to let you know how much we love your program. Well, thank you, and you have such a large following in southwest Atlanta that you probably don't even know about. <laughs> <laughs> Tell your friends to call me again. I love talking to folks in southwest Atlanta. How can I help, George? <laughs> well, you know, Walter, we, I live in a, have a lot of uh, large oak trees, very old trees. These trees got to be a couple hundred years old. Yeah. And I've had to take two of them down because they died. But I've got two more that are leaning. And I don't know whether to take them down or take part of them down. And if I do, what do I replace them with? I, I mean, that's the whole character of the neighborhood mm-hmm. of these trees. Mm-hmm. I really like maples, George. As a replacement tree, maples are faster growing than many, but they still have good, strong limb structures so they don't become messy, they don't drop limbs and leaves too bad. They have lots of good fall color. You know that. The red maples and sugar maples do too. So if I were leaning towards okay. something to replace an oak, I think maple is the direction I would lean. Okay. So it, it, it's not possible to take part of the top tree out then and leave the – it's just, you know, one of my trees are leaning toward the neighbor's house, and I'm just afraid it may fall. That is a thing that I can't tell you, but I know a consulting arborist would be able to do that for you. And there are a number of consulting arborists around Atlanta – and what you do to find one, and all of them are, they have an ISA number, George. So if you talk to them and say, what's your ISA number, they'll spit it out real quick. ISA number 1568983. And so they are certified that they are qualified to do, to evaluate the health and the liability maybe of a tree and whether or not you ought to take it out because it's leaning too much towards your neighbor's house, et cetera, or if it can be corrected by pruning or something like that. And the way you find them, George is go to a website that they all maintain called georgiaarborist.org, georgiaarborist.org, and look down the list is all the members of the Georgia Arborist Society, and they have all of their ISA certification number right there proudly beside their name. And just look for consulting arborist, somebody who took come out and do a, a consult for you for $100 or so. And that's... Walt, we love you, Walter. Thank you so very much. George, it's great talking to you. Thanks for calling. Okay, buddy. We'll see yeah. you, man. 404-872-0750 is the number on Lawn and Garden. Arborists are an interesting breed. They know that sometimes tree has, trees have to come down, but they also, many of them, most of them, if I would say that, are tree huggers. They're people who hate to take trees down. They don't want to take a tree down. They want to tell you how to save that tree. But there's some situations where rot and where damage from lightning or other things have happened to the tree where it does, does need to come down. So I trust the opinion of a consulting arborist. And again, georgiaarborist.org is the website. You can find the consulting ISA certified arborist there. It's 727. The number is 404-872-0750. And we will be back after news. 
It's the Lawn and Garden Show with Walter Reeves on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. It's brought to you by Pike Nurseries, your neighborhood garden center. Playing in the dirt for more than 50 years. Call now with your lawn and garden questions at 404-872-0750 or 1-800-WSB-TALK. And now, here's Walter. It's 7.35 at News Talk WSB. This is Lawn and Garden. I'm Walter Reeves, the Georgia Gardener, and I am here to help you be more successful doing whatever you want to do in your garden or whatever you don't want to do. If you need a written excuse, I'll provide that. And all you have to do is call me, 404-872-0750. Fran is out in Stone Mountain. She's being overrun, overrun, we say. Hi, Walter. I have got a dilemma. About 10 years ago, I called you about deer in my yard, and you talked me into putting up a fence along our woodland area, which we did, and we had barbed wire put up against it, uh, on top of it. And it did. It kept the birds, uh, the birds, yeah. It kept the deer out. Well, (laughs) now we live in an area where Amazon has taken over the West Park Place property. Right. And, of course, they've pushed the wildlife all out. And... They're coming into my yard, of course, because I have thousands of dollars in landscaping. Yeah. Um, eating 50 hostas. Now they're out to my um, um, blocks flowers, and we've got so many flowers. Mm. Um, we had a meeting down at our subdivision where there's a lake and everything, and a lot of people like the deer. One gentleman yeah. uh, got very ugly about um, having an archery guy come and take out, you uh-huh. know, like a, I think a dozen deer he can take. And uh, he said the guy, he would get violent if the guy came into his yard. And, you know, you've got people that like deer just yes, because sure. they like is, is guaranteed to inflame passion. Yeah, because he said he likes the deer coming in his yard to eat his yeah. weeds. Another yeah. one said she likes the deer coming eating bird seed. Well, I've got thousands <laughs> of dollars in landscaping. And, and you, you don't know, like the deer eating your landscaping. no. So what they're doing is they're coming in through our front yard. Mm. And I just wondered, what about um, an electric fence, do you think? Sure. Is that legal to put in? Because we have a drainage ditch that goes across our backyard also. Check your ordinances. Check the ordinances, whether you're in unincorporated DeKalb or in Stone Mountain City We're in Gwinnett County. In Gwinnett, okay. So check the local county ordinances on electric fences. But if you are to use one... Mm-hmm. Yes, indeed. They can be very effective at keeping deer away. And um, if it's legal in where you live, then the way to use an electric fence is to train the deer to avoid it. And the way you train a deer is by um, taking some, <laughs> take the, run the fence around your property or wherever you want to put it, but then turn it off and put some aluminum foil with a little bit of peanut butter on it and drape the aluminum foil over the wire and oh. squinch it up just a little bit with your fingers, not tightly, but just enough to hold the aluminum foil in place so that uh-huh. when the wind uh, blows it, they just, what's that rattling sound? You'll see what I mean when you put the aluminum foil on the wire. And that rattly sound plus the peanut butter smell means that at night when you turn the fence back on, the deer comes around and says, hmm, what's that? Mm, it smells so good. And they go over to the, oh, okay. to the aluminum foil and touch it with their nose and whack, you know, they get the shock on their nose. And they learn to avoid places that have rattly pieces of aluminum foil on uh, hanging out in the in the, in oh, the woods. Oh, okay. So you now, can use we can that. do that along our ditch area that goes um, because of the storm drain from the street goes through there. Yeah. What about like in our side yard where they're coming in through from the front way? Is 
could we put the electric fence there too and just turn it off during you, the day? You got to check with ordinances. I don't know oh. what they are, friend, in Gwinnett County, but check, the, make sure it's legal first. I'm sure it's going to be part of the ordinance is going to say you have to have signage to keep kids and you know yeah. unintended. Uh, I won't say victim is not the right word, but unintended yeah. consequences for your electric fence. It was just devastating at the meeting because people that have nothing in their yard think it's cute. But yeah, you right. know, people that I think I'm the only one in the subdivision that have the amount of landscaping. And, you know, they, the, the older man was getting violent even because he said he's going to get violent yeah, yeah, um, yeah. if the deer are taken out. We have a certified <laughs> archerist that could come and take out, I think, a dozen. Um, and yet some people said yes, some people more, a lot of people were saying no. It worries so, me more not from a landscaping point of view, but from the highway safety point of view, there are so many deer, and during the spring and fall when they're rutting mm-hmm. and running around and people run into them, it breaks my heart every time I hear someone who runs into a large deer and wrecks a car or perhaps yes. kills somebody. That really breaks yep, me that up. that happened to my son-in-law, and sure. thank God my grandson wasn't in the car when it happened. Yeah. But, you know, they don't care. They don't have anything in their yard, so, you know, people don't care. They just think the deer are beautiful which they are. Well, they certainly are. But, uh, yeah, try the electric fence. Try your own deterrence on your property and then let the deer, if they want to go to someone else's property. Well, that's that, that what I wish they would, or stay in the woods, and I wouldn't care. And <laughs> right. the fence in the back by the woodland garden work great because yeah. we have a barrier of composting there, and they can't jump over two things, so yeah. we don't we didn't have a problem. And now since Amazon, you know, chased the deer all over the place here, so we're so I, we're finding them in the roads and everything. Well, good luck with it, friend. If you have, if it is effective and does a good job of keeping the deer away, give me a call back and re- report your okay. success. I'd love to hear. I from sure you. will. All right. Okay. Thank you. Thanks for calling, friend. Four zero four eight seven two zero seven fifty gets you in where friend was and who is in the next slot. Angela is here in Atlanta. Angela, good morning. Hello. Can Hi. you hear me? Sure can. Hi. How can I help, Angela? I'm I'm from Atlanta. Um, I've never really grown anything until I got this uh, huge plant from somebody at work. The ones with the big leaves and have the two, the three or four lilies that come out of them. I can't remember what those are. Big specify. Okay. So anyway, so what I wanted to do, I was like, okay, well, I think I might like growing. So I went to the store and I bought some tomato seeds. And the and they grow the the foliage grows. I think I did it around May. Okay. Or maybe June, but the trees. I went about miracle growing everything, and the foliage is so tall. I staked them and everything, <laughs> but, there, but, but there's no fruit Aye. at all. Do you remember so what I, what variety you got, Angela? Do you remember what variety of tomato you bought? I don't. Isn't there something called indeterminate? Yeah, yeah, but I'm thinking of Whopper, Big Boy, Big Girl was. Hey, well, was just, I don't even. I don't know. I just. Picked them up because I said, "Well, I want to start growing things." I didn't even yeah. pay attention. The the reason I'm asking what variety it was is that that the determinant and indeterminate is important too because indeterminate tomatoes are ones that grow long, tall vines and have tomatoes up and down the vine, whereas determinate ones have short vines and have tomatoes just in one particular place and they stop producing after a while, all at once. What? So what I'm imagining is you have one of the large fruited indeterminate tomatoes, Whopper, Big Boy, Big Girl, things like that. And they're the ones that have a real problem with temperatures above 90 degrees. And we've had okay. 90 degree temperatures for you know a month or so, so far. And yeah. so my thinking is, is that the temperature is what is limiting the flowering and no flowers and Angela gets agitated about it. So 
I think if you have a healthy vine, Angela, the best you can do is simply wait until it cools down. It's 88 today, 87 tomorrow. And uh, as cool temperatures come, I think the flowers will start appearing. I'm just going to pluck them up and no. pluck them away. No, 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 no. <laughs> we never do that. We always wait to the very bitter end, Angela. As a, okay, as a gardener, as a new gardener, yeah. that's what you learn. You always just go to the end. Go to see what happens and see what happens next. Because that way you learn experience, you have good experience. And experience is what makes you a better gardener. So, yeah, let's find and out I what have, happens. And I have them in the pot. I have them in pot. Yeah. Be sure they don't okay. get too dry during the day. Sometimes the big vines uh, will use up all the moisture in a pot and they wilt when you come home from work at night. So be sure you have some way of watering during well, the day or something like that. Well, I got angry because I thought they weren't blooming, so I stopped watering. <laughs> oh, yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> I stopped watering them about two days ago. So uh -huh. it's I'll, I'll go back. I'll do it today when I go home. Please, please have mercy on your tomatoes. Don't get angry at them. They don't care. Hey, just one more thing before you go. I wanted to buy some peppers. What, what's good? Because I, I went to Home Depot and got the um, got some advice, and they had those tomato plants already in pots. They were blooming and everything. Yeah, yeah. But they, but they had other things like peppers and stuff. What can I go? What can I do? I, I want to um, grow something now. Peppers. Yeah, sure. Peppers are fine. Tomatoes are fine. So seeds are problematic. It takes too long for the seeds to sprout and come up and grow big. So if you want to buy a tomato plant or pepper plant, sure, put them out now. Try to get one of the small fruited tomatoes, though. Like I said, the temperature is going to be a problem with the big fruited ones. So get a Celebrity or Rutgers or a cherry tomato. That would be fine. Okay, thank you so much. Drive safely, Angela. I want to hear back from you. Let's hear what you got with your tomato vine. I'll let you know. All right. Talk to you then. 404-872-0750. It's the number that Aaron dialed in Carrollton, and here she is on the air. Hey, Aaron. Good morning. Hey, good morning, Walter. Hi. What's up? Um, okay, so I have a clay rock hill yep. or slope yep. in my yard. And, um... I, you know, just nothing grows. Um, I was able to put an arbor in and get some fluted bugle plants to grow a little bit. Okay. But, and I put a rock garden underneath the arbor. So I, that's part of it taken care of, but the rest of it just looks like poo-poo. Um, any ideas? I mean, is landscaping really the only option or... Any ideas? How many? How much sunshine does the area get, Erin? How much sunshine uh, do you get? Probably about 70% of the day because there is okay. absolutely nothing over it. All right, so it's got a lot of sunshine. That's good. It's not a shady place. It, nothing will grow because of the shade. So what I think to do is to... There are some shrubs that do better. that are tougher, I guess you'd say, on a poor site like yours. And I'm trying to think of which one I think would do best for you. Have you grown lantana yet, Erin? No, no, never. Lantana sure can cover a lot of ground rapidly and gives flowers and brings butterflies and pollinators in. And this time of the year, you want something that's tough and withstands heat very readily. And lantana would be the first thing I would think about in a situation like yours. In the fall, they could start thinking about shrubbery, like woody plants like azaleas and uh, roses and things like that. But right now, I think just only the tougher drought-resistant plants is all I would suggest right now. Well, we definitely love the butterflies and hummingbirds and all that. 
but this is a very large area. So, like, I don't want the whole area full of that. So just anything that's sun-hardy that would grow on a clay rock mix. Um, anything else? You're almost asking the impossible. Clay rock mix yeah. says it's hard soil, nothing that seeds will get into and grow very readily. Um Ooh, Aaron, 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 Aaron. Do you not? You don't want to. You don't want to go grass there or something like just regular Bermuda or zoysia or something like that. We tried. We even tried sod. We've yeah, tried yeah. seeding. I've Too tried sorry. putting field dirt in and putting grass on it. It just, yeah. Eh. So another thing, you know, I think you sort of alluded to it early in the conversation, was having some sort of hardscape to. Terrace that slope. I mentioned that in the caller earlier this morning is having something that breaks the slope up into little steps as it goes down the slope. So as you slow the water right. down, if you slow the water down, you can put more, more azaleas or, or not azaleas, but more um, annuals as well as perennial plants that can grow in there too. And maybe some from seed. You might have time to get some from seed to come up right now, but it's late in the summer to be planting seed. It just takes too long to get up to flowering time. Your August. September, October almost before they flower. So I don't right. have a great solution for you, Aaron, other than the lantana that I know will thrive right now to cover a large area. I'm thinking right. I need to invest in the hardscape and see what happens. Well, I was thinking a stacked, um, like, flower bed type deal anyway, yeah. so that's I'm probably on the right track. You're, I got one more quickie. You are on the right track. Um, one more quickie if you got time. I got 22 seconds. Go ahead. I bought an orphaned Concord grapevine at the store because it was on clearance, yeah. and I never thought it would grow. Yeah. Yeah. I planted it. I finally got my first harvest about two years later, and they taste like muscadines. Why? <laughs> I don't know why. They just do. Um, Concords usually get diseases before they bear fruit, so you're lucky to have a couple of harvests on it, Aaron. I would say just enjoy what you have and wait for the fruit to start turning black in June because that's usually what happens to Concord Grace. They get diseases and you got all sorts of problems with them. Good luck with it, but that wouldn't be the first choice of good grapes to grow in Georgia. It's 748 at News Talk WSB. We'll be back after this. This is Scott Slade from Atlanta's Morning News on WSB. Our 24-hour news center delivers updates all weekend. Depend on it. We'll be here Monday morning, 430 till 9, for breaking news and traffic and weather every six minutes. News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. Now back to the Lawn and Garden Show with Walter Reeves. have a quick weather update brought to you by Finley Roofing. Today will be partly cloudy most of the day long. 87 is the high, low of 69. Tomorrow, pretty much carbon copy of today. Partly cloudy throughout the day. High of 88, low of 70 degrees. Your full weekend forecast comes up in 10 minutes on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. We've got uh, Martha in Bremen. Hey, Martha, good morning. Good morning. Hey, good morning. Hi. Hi. Um, I have a question. I have I, I bought a, I had bought a home and I was familiar with the home before I bought it and I knew there was a hydrangea that was planted, you know, within about three feet of a large oak tree. Yeah. And it has never really grown very much, but the thing about it is it has never bloomed. Oh. So I, I can't 
did it bloom before when you knew the house before you got it? Well, it it did, but not really very very good blooms. It is a really uh, clay in the yard as well. Yeah. But it is right on top of, of really close to a large oak tree, so I didn't know if that was the problem. If it's in dense shade, they don't bloom very well at all. In dense shade where they don't get more than an hour of sunshine, that's pretty pretty slim for a hydrangea. I wonder, Martha, is it possible that is a florist hydrangea that was planted there? I think perhaps it was. If that is the case, that is what usually happens with florist hydrangeas. They don't have a lot of wintertime cold tolerance, and they will have bud damage, freeze damage to the, to the buds done just about every year. And I'm wondering if that is just what it is. It's not really suited to be outside. In the floral situation, in a greenhouse, you can make them grow. They have great big flowers. Everybody's happy. But outdoors, the florist hydrangeas just don't seem to perform very well in Georgia. Oh, well, thank you so much. I just need to enjoy the green leaves on it, Dan. <laughs> oh, this is all from my experience, too, Martha, because we gave it, gave a hydrangea to my mother for Mother's Day probably 10 or 15 years ago. It bloomed, I'm thinking, twice in <laughs> 10 or 15 okay. years. So, you know, from my experience, the florist hydrangeas, pretty flat, pretty uh, foliage on it. I mean, it was nice green leaves and everything. Not hardly a flower to speak of. 404 My number on Lawn and Garden. We'll be back after news.